Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners again today. We're so thankful that you're there, and we're thankful that we have the opportunity to be here with you, to study each day from God's Word, and as that happens, you should be growing in your faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. And our prayer is that you're growing spiritually. Now, we encourage you to continue to study with us each day that you have the opportunity. But you know, we'd love to have you come and visit with us and worship and study and grow spiritually with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ right here in Omaha. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street. 3606 North 108th Street. And we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us through our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. There's an email link there. You can also call us at 402-498-8397, 402-498-8397. Now we encourage you to go to our website, again, churchofchrist.com, scroll down the homepage to our podcast button, click on that, and sign up for our podcasting. It'll take you about one minute. There is no charge. It is free. It will always be free. Now, when you sign up for our podcasting, you'll automatically receive to your smart device, whichever one you choose, your smartphone, your computer, laptop, pad, tablet, whatever one you choose, you'll automatically receive these radio programs. They'll go right to your your smart device, as a podcast, and if you can't listen one day or a couple of days, you can pull them up and listen to them at your convenience. But you'll receive a whole lot more. You'll receive all of our sermons, also a Sunday morning and a Wednesday evening Bible class, and a great short 12 or 13 minute daily Bible class that we call Today's Bible Class. And it really touches on very relevant spiritual topics, or maybe we should say relevant topics dealing with issues that are pertinent and relative to our lives today, but from a spiritual, a scriptural perspective. So take advantage of all that. Again, it's free. We're not after your wallet. We want to help you get to heaven. We hope that you'll take advantage of that website. We're going to get back into our study. We've been looking at, over the past few days, we're talking about the eternal disaster of almost. How many people just almost make it somewhere or almost succeed at something? Well, you know, if you've almost made it somewhere, you didn't get there. If you've almost succeeded at something, you did not succeed. You failed. If you almost got the prize, you did not get the prize. Well, we've talked about that. That baseball player standing at the plate and he's taking the, the pitch and he, he really crushes the ball and he drives it all the way to the fence and people are standing in the stands and cheering and looking and holding their breath. And, but the fielder at the last moment jumps up, extends his arm and catches the ball before it goes over the fence. Boy, it was almost a game-winning home run but it ended up being an out. See, almost. Doesn't make it. Doesn't cut it. I used to coach soccer for a number of years. 
I can't tell you how many times I've seen a soccer player kick the ball toward the goal and have it hit one of the goalposts or the top going over the top of the, of the net and just bounce away. <laughs> Almost a goal, but it was not. How many times have we watched professional football players? The kicker comes up to kick a field goal, and you watch it, and it goes almost through the goalposts. But maybe at the last second, it just bends away, and it misses. Maybe it even hits the goalpost and bounce back, bounces back. Almost a field goal. But it was not. It failed. <laughs> we understand the principle of almost. I'm not sure that we analyze it quite as deeply as that, but we need to because almost doesn't get it again. Almost means failure at whatever we're attempting to accomplish. We talked about King Agrippa and his statement to Paul when Paul confronted him as Paul was a prisoner of the Roman government in Caesarea, and the Roman governor, Festus, allowed King Agrippa, a Jew, to listen to Paul's defense. Acts chapter 26, Paul simply preached the gospel of Christ to all of those in that assembly at that time. And when he talked about Jesus coming back from the dead, raised God raised him from the dead, Festus thought he was insane. Festus, in fact, said, Paul, you're, 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 you're out of your mind. You're beside yourself. Much learning has made you mad. Basically, he was saying, you're sounding crazy, insane, out of your mind. And Paul just responded to Festus in a very reasonable and calm fashion and said, oh, no, I'm, I'm not mad. I'm not crazy. I'm speaking words of truth and reason. And then he said, Ask the king over here. He knows about these things. Jesus coming, Jesus preaching the gospel, pre Jesus being crucified, Jesus rising from the dead, those things weren't done in secret. They weren't done in a corner. They weren't just whispered about. He knows about these things. Ask him. And then he turns to Agrippa. And he says, Agrippa, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? And then he answers for Agrippa, I know that you do believe. Well, the prophets prophesied of the coming Savior, of Jesus. Agrippa responded, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul responded to that statement, my desire, I would to God, that you and everybody else here at this time in this place who's hearing me at this moment would become both almost and altogether such as I am. In other words, that all of you under the sound of my voice right now would become almost and altogether persuaded to become a Christian. That you would follow through and obey your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in him as God's Son and your Lord and Savior, and surrendering to him in baptism, being buried in those waters of baptism with your Lord, 
So the blood that he shed on the cross can cleanse you of the guilt of your sins. And as you come up out of that water, you can be reborn spiritually. John 3, verses 3 through 5. Forgiven, Acts 2 and verse 38. Saved, Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. Made new spiritually, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Oh, he said, I wish all of you would not remain just almost persuaded to become a Christian, but that you would become altogether persuaded and that you would obey God. Well, we asked the question in response to Agrippa's statement, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Why would a person remain just almost persuaded? to be forgiven of his sins, to be saved, to be reborn, to have the promise of eternal life in heaven. Pride? Pride goes before a fall, we're told. Pride? We looked at John chapter 12, verses 42 and 43. It talked about where many of the rulers of the Jews they believed in Jesus, but they would not confess him. They would not follow him openly because of the Pharisees, because of their fear of being put out of the synagogue. And the next verse says, because they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Oh my, how faulty a line of reasoning and an emotional response that is. Loving the praise of men more than the praise of God. So giving up eternal life in heaven so that you could spend a few more years here being looked up to and praised by human beings around you. How tragic, how disastrous is that perspective of almost. Well, what's another reason? why some people hold back. Maybe Agrippa himself. But certainly it's true for a whole lot of people in the world today and in every generation. A lot of people just don't want to give up on sin. That's the long and the short of it. They just do not want to give up on sin. They want to keep on doing what they want to do even though they know that a lot of what they're doing is sinful. John wrote in 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. We're talking about spiritual lawlessness. Lawlessness before God. He goes on and says, and sin is lawlessness. In verse 6, he says, Whoever abides in him, that is in God, in Christ, does not sin. Now the sense of the Greek there, I believe, is does not just keep on sinning, does not just live a lifestyle of sin. Whoever sins, whoever lives a lifestyle of sin, has neither seen him nor known him. And then verses 9 and 10. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, that is, does not just keep on sinning willfully does not live a lifestyle of sinfulness. 
for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin. He cannot do that because he's living a different life. Because he has been born of God, John, John says. And then John goes on in the next verse, verse 10, and he says, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest, or are revealed, or are made apparent, or recognized. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Did you get that? Whoever does not practice righteousness, does not live a righteous lifestyle before God, is not of God. Nor is he who does not love his brother. There are a whole lot of people out there who they will claim, in fact, they will shout it loud that they love God and they have this great relationship with God while all the time they're living in outright sinfulness. Whoever, what, is, what did John say? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. We need to get that message. Sin. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. The wages of sin is death. We read James chapter 1 and verses 12 through 15. We talked about how each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, we give in to that desire. Through that temptation, we're going to go ahead and we're going to commit the sin. When desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Exactly what Paul wrote in Romans 6 and verse 23. The wages of sin is death. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. What does the Hebrews writer say along these lines? Well, he's talking about Moses. And notice how he puts the decision that Moses made in his life. Choosing, that is Moses, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing or fleeting or temporary pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. What reward? An eternal home in heaven. Moses had the opportunity to live the high fat life because he grew up in, he was a part of the household of Pharaoh. Pharaoh's daughter raised him. Well, now we know that she allowed, actually, without really probably realizing it, Moses' literal biological mother, who is, who is an Israelite, to raise him to a great extent. But, but Pharaoh's daughter took him as her own son. Moses could have had pretty much anything he wanted. He probably could have done pretty much anything he wanted. But he was taught by his biological mother about God, about righteousness, about sinfulness and its danger. And he chose to follow God, to live the righteous life with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the temporary, passing, 
fleeting pleasures of sinfulness because they would only be for a season. They would only be temporary. He was taught. As Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 59 and verse 2, God speaking, your iniquities, that is your sinfulness, has separated you from me. You see, we cannot walk with God and live in sin at the same time. Does not work. James said in James chapter 4 and verse 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. How do we resist the devil? He said, submit to God. He said, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Verse 8. You see, there's no room in the life of an individual who is walking with God for the devil to be in his life as well. Many people, they don't want to become a Christian. Even though they know they need to become a Christian, they should become a Christian because they're not finished with sin. They want to live in sinfulness because they find temporary pleasure in some of the things they do that they know is sinful. How sad. How sad to know the truth, to have the opportunity to obey the gospel and be forgiven and be saved, but give all of that up because you just caught up in sin and you don't want to give that up. Another reason why some people remain just almost persuaded to become a Christian. Because they pushed God and living a Christian life completely out of their mind. We look at Ephesians chapter 4. And verses 18 and 19. The Apostle Paul wrote, He's talking about unbelievers of his day. But the principle that he's laying out applies to people today as well. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. And he's not talking about intellectual ignorance. He's talking about spiritual ignorance. Because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling, past feeling, no conscience about their sinfulness, having have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Oh my. Someone might say, I don't understand. I don't understand why people can hear the gospel being proclaimed, taught, I don't understand how they can not obey, how they can not repent of their sins, how they cannot come to God through Jesus Christ for forgiveness and salvation. I don't understand what's holding them back. Well, let me tell you, for a whole lot of people like that, God is not even in their mind. That's what's holding them back. They do not allow themselves to think about God, about forgiveness, about their sinfulness and their condemnation. They don't want to think about heaven and its opposite, hell. 
They just want to keep doing what they want to do, live their life without having any problem with their conscience. Now, if they start thinking about God too much, then their conscience starts working on them. And they don't want that. So God's not even in their head. And for a whole lot of them, if you start talking to them about the Bible, about Jesus as their Savior, about their need for forgiveness, their need to come to God, they'll shut you down. They'll tell you things like, I don't want to hear that. I, just, if that's all you got to say, the conversation's over. God is not in their head. You know, Ezekiel the prophet wrote something that should be so impressive to us because he's writing God's word here. And so what he says in Ezekiel chapter 18 and verses 30 through 32, this is God's desire for us, for everybody. Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, but now make the application to all of us in our day and age. Every court, everyone according to his ways, says the Lord God, repent and turn from all your transgressions so that iniquity will not be your ruin. In other words, so that sinfulness will not be your ruin, your eternal ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed and get yourselves a new heart. In other words, turn away from all of those sins and get a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die? For I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore, turn and live. God's desire is for you to repent, for everybody to repent and come to him for forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Peter wrote in 2 Peter 3 and verse 9, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But he leaves that up to you to make up your mind. But you see so many people, God is not even in their head. They don't think about God because they don't want to think about God because they don't want to be bothered by their conscience while they continue to do whatever they want to do, as sinful as it might be. How sad, how tragic, how disastrous eternally is the spiritual principle of almost. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us the gospel message of salvation that you sent your son to bring into this world through which we can be forgiven and saved and have the promise and expectation of eternal life with you in heaven. Please open people's eyes. Please open their hearts to see and understand their need to repent and come to you. Help them, Father to make that decision to obey you and live with you and for you and to get away from that mindset of just being almost persuaded to follow you. Father, please, we pray for forgiveness and hear our prayer, gracious Father. In Christ's name, amen.